Welcome to Knowing Him. This is Steve Danielson. And this is Angie Danielson. Join us each week as we explore the hymns of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and share our feelings, insights, and reflections about how each one brings us closer to Jesus Christ. Enjoy your favorites and find some undiscovered gems in our journey to knowing Him. Welcome, friends, to today's episode of Knowing Him. This is Steve Danielson, and I'm here with my joyful co-host, Angie. I'm joyful. (laughs) So joyful. Uh, Well, the hustle and bustle of the Christmas season has pretty much slowed down for us. Uh, We've had all of our Christmas concerts. We've done our annual family Christmas caroling and treat delivery. The kids are out of school. And we can turn our attention to the reason for the season, the birth of Jesus Christ. So we are releasing this episode two days before Christmas 2022. And so we're going to get in one more Christmas song, this time number 201, Joy to the World. So to start us off today, I actually have a couple of fun facts to share with you okay. about the 1970 rock song, Joy to the World, what? written by the group Three Dog Night. <laughs> Not the same song. <laughs> Not the same song. Just start, want to start off with something different. So fun, first fun fact, the song was written by country singer and songwriter Hoyt Axton. Uh, his mother, May Axton, co-wrote the Elvis hit Heartbreak Hotel. And so when Joy to the World topped the charts, the Axtons became the only mother-son pair to be credited with writing a number one hit. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Uh, Three Dog Night actually got their name, this is number two, uh, they got their name from an Australian Aborigine saying, uh, it was a three dog night last night, meaning that it was so cold you needed three of your dogs to sleep with you (laughs) to keep you warm. That's funny. (laughs) Uh, And because of that, a lot of people thought the group was Australian, but they weren't. They were from California. Oh, that's funny. Uh, Three Dog Night actually did not think much of the song after they recorded it. Um, They just tacked it onto their album because they needed one more song to complete it. Uh, It was the biggest hit from that album. Uh, It actually first became a hit in Seattle, just up the road from us. (laughs) Uh, DJ up in Seattle first played it on the radio. Uh, and then it quickly went up to number one and stayed there for six weeks. So, very popular song when it first came out. What year is this? Uh, oh, gosh. Uh, 1970. Yeah. Uh, the opening lines of the song, Jeremiah was a bullfrog, was a good friend of mine. Never understood a single word he said, but I helped him drink his wine. Uh, have led to some speculation about the meaning of the words. Some have thought it might be a reference to Jeremiah the prophet. Or that the song represents God's desire to unite all people in happiness. And in fact, pastors have preached sermons about. Really. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, Axton, however, said that they were just filler words. Uh, he had the chorus intact, knew what he wanted to say there, but didn't really have words for the verses yet. So um, he said, "He said Jeremiah was an expedient of the time. I had the chorus for three months. I took a drink of wine, leaned on the speaker, and said, Jeremiah was a bullfrog.'" It was meaningless. It was a temporary lyric. But before I could rewrite it, they cut it, and it was a hit. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. The pastors, like, took it, and were like, well, this has to have a deeper meaning. That's right. It must be about Jeremiah the prophet. Nope. It was just filler. Uh, but fun fact number five, uh, because of the song, frogs actually became a big part of the band's marketing, including a six-foot frog costume that someone would have to wear to promote the band. What? <laughs> That's great. So thank you, songfacts.org uh, song, song for these fun facts about that song. So 
Now we're going to turn our attention to Joy to the World, as found in our hymn book. Just totally different song. <laughs> okay, so Joy to the World, uh, I'm going to talk first about our author, Isaac Watts, born 1674 to uh, died in 1748. He's pretty well known. Yeah, very well known. Uh, born in Southampton, England, uh, child prodigy at writing. He was studying Latin at four. Um, writing respectable verses at age seven. <laughs> I I was barely writing coherent poems when I was in high school, so uh, <laughs> I have some pretty embarrassing poetry from that age. So uh, the fact that he was writing something respectable at age seven is pretty incredible. Uh, at age 16, he went to London. His intelligence actually prompted a physician and other friends to offer him education at a university that would lead to ordination of the Church of England. Uh, he refused and instead became a Congregationalist minister, becoming pastor of the Independent Church in London in 1702. Um, and he wrote over 800 hymn texts. Wow. So this was something that he did a lot. Um, several people in his um, denomination thought that they should only be singing psalms. This is, I'm taking this information from our Latter-day hymns from Kim Davidson. Karen. Karen. I would say Kim. Uh, but Watts believed that Christians should be able to sing about Christ and Christ-centered topics, so not necessarily direct Quotes. quotes from the Bible, but topics and themes inspired by that, um, which seems obvious to us because that's sort what of we how do. we yeah. we do it but that's not how everyone does it so uh, was mo- most of his or all of his poetry used as hymn texts i i could not tell you i have not read all of them i mean it sounds like they were if they had 800 that were made yeah. in hymn texts i mean i i know he had a very poetic gift uh whether or not they were all hymn texts it's hard to say uh, without without going into it, but it sounds like a lot of the publications that he did were collections of hymn texts. Yeah, I was wondering if he was specifically writing them for, like, the church wanted him to write a setting, you know, of something, or they wanted a new song, and so he. Yeah, and I don't know words. if it was the church wanted it or if he wanted it. Yeah, because like I said, I, people in his denomination said no and this just needs to be psalms oh, that's ever right. singing so he's <laughs> like no i'm going to do other stuff so he would do what was called a psalm paraphrase so he would take the ideas from the psalm and he would sort of rewrite it into his own thoughts uh, with this uh, poetry um you know many of them like joy to the world um are biblical paraphrase but the, some just go o- go outside of biblical paraphrase and just go with themes and ideas uh, that are Christ-centered. Because um, Joy to the World was from, what was it? Psalm 98, 98? and we'll, we'll talk yeah. about that in just a second. Um, so I just wanted to say uh, Isaac Watts is often listed as the most important figure in English hymnody because of his existing body of works. In fact, in our current 1985 hymn book, we actually still have nine of his texts. Uh, o God, our help in ages past, praise ye the Lord, with all the power of heart and tongue, great God, attend while Zion sings. From all that dwell below the skies, come we that love the Lord. Sweet is the work he died, the great Redeemer died, and joy to the world. So he, he's very prolific in what he's doing. 
I think I noticed when we were looking at one of our older hymn books that he had even more in the older ones yeah. than, than now. Well, I think it's sort of like with, you know, Evan Stevens or W.W. W. Phelps, you know, when the, as the hymn books were newer, they were needing to find existing materials or people that were writing right then. And as the church has expanded and gone forward in time, there have been more resources and more people writing. And so the, the older ones sort of get weeded out a little bit, the ones that people don't sing as much anymore. Some of these I recognize, but some of them we don't really sing yeah. very often. But one of my favorites is He Died, The Great Redeemer mm. Died. That's one of my favorite yeah. hymns. So, as you mentioned, Joy to the World was written as a paraphrase of Psalm 98, uh, particularly verses uh, 4 to 9. Um, because this psalm mentions singing and music, this psalm has been used frequently by composers, including myself. Uh, I wrote a song called Sing to the Lord uh, back in 2009 for SATB Chorus, and it's, a, it's based on Psalm 98 as well. So, very common for composers to use this. In fact, I'd like to have Angie uh, read verses 4 to 9. Yeah, I've got it right here. Yeah. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all the earth. Make a loud noise and rejoice and sing praise. Sing unto the Lord with the harp, with the harp and the voice of a psalm. With trumpets and sound of cornet, make a joyful noise before the Lord the King. Let the sea roar and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. Let the floods clap their hands. Let the hills be joyful together. Before the Lord, for he cometh to judge the earth with righteousness, shall he judge the world and the people with equity. So there's a lot about singing and rejoicing and instruments and rejoicing because of the Lord. Yeah, at, on the in the first verse, it even says, Oh, sing unto the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. Yeah. Uh, so Watts first published this in 1719 uh, in a collection called The Psalms of David, imitated in the language of the New Testament and applied to the Christian state and worship. That's a long title. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he would have been about 45 years old uh, when this was published. Um, and though we sing it now as a Christmas hymn, if you listen to those words from the Psalms, there's not a lot about Christ's birth, Christ's birth or anything. Yeah. In fact, if you read the words to the poem, there's not a lot about Christ's birth. Watts intended it actually more as a second coming hymn, and we mentioned this before uh, on the Lost, Lost Pad podcast. Uh, the original title, as Watts gave it, was The Messiah's Coming in Kingdom. Um, Which makes more sense when I read the words. I'm like, oh yeah, this totally sounds more like a second coming hymn than... Yeah. Than a Christmas hymn. In our LDS hymnals, before the 1985 one, uh, it was actually placed as a second coming hymn. So it was in, if you looked it up in the topics, then it would have been under second coming. And the text had been changed from the Lord is come to the Lord will come. That was an adaptation that W.W. Phelps did. And we'll talk more about that a little bit later. So the original words were... The Lord, the Lord is, is come. come. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, I I had always thought it was the other way, but yeah. the Lord is come is the way the Watts wrote it. Huh, interesting. Yeah. So I did want to read this note from hymnary.org. Uh, so, so Watts does not emphasize with equal weight the various themes of Psalm 98. In stanzas 1 and 2, Watts writes of heaven and earth rejoicing at the coming of the king. 
An interlude that depends more on Watts' interpretation than the psalm text, stanza 3, speaks of the Christ's blessings extending victoriously over the realm of sin. The cheerful repetition of the non-psalm phrase, far as the curse is found, has caused this stanza to be omitted from some hymnals. But the line makes joyful sense when understood from the New Testament eyes through which Watts interprets the psalm. Stanza 4 celebrates Christ's rule over the nations. So I thought that was interesting that sometimes hymnals would leave out that third verse. Yeah, I thought that was um, interesting too. I, I guess it's just because we're so used to singing it that it doesn't even... Phase us. Phase yeah. us, yeah. <laughs> uh, I did want to read the verses as Watts wrote them. Okay. Uh, so this is slightly different than we have it in our hymn book. Um, so if you want to take out your hymn book and follow along, you can see where the changes are. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room, and heaven and nature sing. Joy to the world, the Savior reigns. Let men their songs employ, while fields and floods, rocks, hills, and plains repeat the sounding joy. No more let sin and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make his blessings flow, far as the curse is found. He rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness and wonders of his love. All right, so Angie, I know you were sort of reading along there as I read that. So what what sort of things did you notice different? There's more differences than I thought there were. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, first of all, um, in, in our... Uh, 1985 hymn book it's we we say and saints and angels sing instead of heaven and nature which i know most people in other churches sing heaven and nature and that was a change made by ww phelps yeah which i know you're going to talk about um but i noticed a few other things too what was i can't remember now there was just a few slightly different words in like the second and third verse yeah, there's just a, a little change oh, like here and he, there. He and... says saints, and saints their songs employ. Mm-hmm. And, and Watts said what? Uh, let men their songs employ. Yeah, so I guess it's more inclusive of everybody yeah. in the in the church. And then we have a totally different fourth <laughs> verse than <laughs> what he has there. Right, so uh, in 1835 was the first edition of the LDS hymn book. That's what Emma Smith put together. Uh, and W.W. Phelps uh, was a large contributor to that first hymn book, and he wanted to include Joy to the World, but wanted to emphasize sort of the the second coming nature of it. Uh, and so he made some adaptations. He did change that the Lord will come. Uh, he's the one that came up with the saints and angels sing instead of heaven and nature sing. Uh, and then he, there's a fourth verse that we have that is not, in the original Watts version, which I assume must be from W.W. W. Phelps. Um, you have that yeah. open. And our hymn book yeah. doesn't have that last fourth verse of... So we don't have five verses. We just have the A fourth, different fourth verse. Yeah, a different fourth verse. Yeah. What, does, what does our fourth verse say? It says, Rejoice, rejoice in the Most High, while Israel spreads abroad, like stars that glitter in the sky and ever worship God. Yeah. So, so interesting because I like both fourth verses. So I wonder why. Right. That yeah, one and I've I've out. sung arrangements that have Watts fourth yeah. verse and 
I've never had a problem with it. And yeah, yeah, so I'm not sure what the purpose was in taking that one out. Yeah. So uh, we did return to the original verbiage in the 1985 hymnal of the Lord is come. Um, some of the other changes from Phelps still retained, like the saints and angels sing, heaven and nature sing. Um, so let's turn to the tune. Okay, so in Watts' collection, where he first published Joy to the World, he said in the preface that the verses could be sung to tunes in the old psalm book or any tune in the common meter. So we've talked about meter frequently on this podcast, uh, that hymns could be interchanged Mm-hmm. Um, to different tunes based on meter. We don't know all the tunes that Joy to the World might have been sung to, um, but we could pick one or two from our hymn book and sing Joy to the World uh, to that to get a, a feel. Uh, so if you take, like, Sweet is the Peace um, and sing, Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. Yeah, I guess that works. <laughs> or there's a Green Hill Far Away works as well. Um, I, I've seen the words. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. <laughs> so any of these hymns that are in common meter, you can interchange the, the words. So it's rare today to find a a hymn book that has Joy to the World printed with any tune besides the one we know. Yeah. Uh, but it's out there. I did find a, a, a Presbyterian hymnal uh, to an early 19th century tomb by Thomas Howes. Hmm. Not sure how to say his name. H-A-W-E-I-S. And anyway, I do have that here. So I'm going to try to sing this one. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room, and heaven and nature sing. That's not bad. No, it's not. I think, though, if I were to be told, oh, we're going to be singing Joy to the World today, and I opened up, and it was not Joy to the World, I'd be like, what? <laughs> yeah. What is this? I'd be very disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> it, would, it would be a little shocking, I think. <laughs> uh, so the tune that we know today, the one that I just sang, uh, was arranged by Lowell Mason, born in 1792, died in 1872, and attributed to George Frederick Handel, 1685 to 1759. Uh, so I'm going to talk about Handel first. I, I always tell my students that Handel had identity issues. He was a German composer, lived in England most of his life, writing Italian operas. <laughs> so, um, I mean, obviously, he didn't have identity issues, uh, but he he was a German composer and lived in England. Italian opera was very in vogue. Uh, oratorio was also a new uh, a new thing that was emerging. Uh, Messiah, of course, is his most famous uh, oratorio. Um. Now, Mason, uh, Lowell Mason was an American born in Massachusetts and is called the father of the American church music. Hmm. Uh, Very influential in the introduction of music in schools, uh, elementary music education, and the popularization of classical choral singing in the new fledgling United States. Interesting. So he had, he was a... Very influential. He's very influential, but interestingly enough, he did not actually start out wanting to be a musician. That's weird. He, he studied music on the side, but he was actually a banker. He worked at the <laughs> bank, took like composition lessons on the side, just as sort of a hobby. 
Hmm. Uh, some original works of his were published in an 1822 collection uh, by the Boston Handel and Haydn Society. Uh, Mason actually asked his name to be omitted from the publication because he did not want to be known as a musical guy. That Weird. <laughs> he, he didn't want that as his persona. He said, I'm a banker. This is what I want to do. Um, but this book was a huge success. And so because of the success, he joined the Handel and Haydn Society uh, and later actually became its president in 1827. So mm. he sort of adopted this musical persona and said, this it. is who I am now. <laughs> uh, so where Mason actually got this tune is a little bit unclear. He credits credit it, credits it, it <laughs> to George Frederick Handel. Uh, in fact, the tune is called Antioch Handel, uh, though it's unclear where the melody first came from. Um, there, There's not like an existing melody by Handel saying, yes, this is the melody that Mason used. It's like he took excerpts from Handel and put it together into this existing melody, into this new melody or something. It was like I was reading that he took some parts from the Messiah. There, there's some speculation about that. So the beginning of Lift Up Your Heads starts with this, Lift up your heads, all ye gates. That so that, that descending yeah. joy to the world, the Lord is come, possibly. Uh, and then there's a part in the accompaniment of... Um, Comfort ye my people. that's right. Yeah. Yeah. And so that could possibly have fed into and saints and angels singing. But it's not a hundred percent clear if that's what he actually did. But he attributed attributed I cannot talk today, attributes it to handle. Um and so we'll I guess we'll never really know until we can talk to Lowell Mason ourselves. That's right. <laughs> uh, so it's unclear, actually, why Mason called the tune Antioch. Um, he often picked random Bible words for his hymn tunes. Hmm. Um, just sort of, I need a name for this, so I'm just going to pick a word here. Uh, Antioch, of course, is the uh, first place where the, they were called Christians yeah. in the Bible. Uh, anyway, the... The tune was originally first published in 1836 with the text Joy to the World. Um, I couldn't find any examples in English of the tune being used with any text besides Joy to the World. Uh, I did find a couple Spanish versions, but I think it's just a sort of a Spanish translation of the same idea. Not necessarily, obviously, word for word, because translations don't work that way of singing. Um, but I, I did find one here... Um, called Al Mundo Paz Nació Jesús. So it is definitely a Christmas song mm -hmm. in the way that uh, it's translated here into Spanish. Uh, Al Mundo Paz Nació Jesús, Nació ya Nuestro Rey. So going hardcore Christmas here. Yeah. <laughs> so no, amb no ambiguous things there. Um, yeah. So it it's a it's a Christmas song now. That's how we <laughs> sort of use it in our Yeah, it's interesting. I wonder in how that worship. evolved into a Christmas song. I think just the idea of uh the Lord is come. You know, we're talking about the coming of Christ. Whether you're talking about the first coming or the second coming, you're celebrating the coming of Christ. Uh and how the earth rejoices. 
I mean, think about how glorious that was that Christ came to earth to be with us and to to live with us and teach us and be an example. Uh, so I think whether you're singing about his first coming or his second coming, I think this song is amazing. Yeah, I love it. And, you know, you think about how the stars almost had to align for this to happen. You have Isaac Watts, the most prolific English hymn writer ever, who sort of formed the foundation of English hymnody. You have Lowell Mason, this American songwriter that is incredibly influential, who attributes the tune to Handel, who is one of the masterwork composers of the Baroque era. I mean, just everything came together to create this beautiful song that we still enjoy every Christmas time. Yeah. I was trying to remember what other hymns Lowell Mason wrote in our hymn book. And Nearer My God to Thee, which is a classic, is one of them. How gentle God's commands, and we give thee but thine own, and come all whose souls are lighted. Yeah, and I did think it was interesting that he's, just like Joy to the World, two of the others are listed as musical arrangements uh, instead of him as composer. So he must have taken taken some pieces from other... Yeah, so we'll have to find that out when we investigate those hymns. That's right. All right, well, do you have any other information about Joy to the World that I left out? I don't think so. Okay. Well, we are going to sing Joy to the World uh, as it is in our 1985 hymn book uh, here on uh, Hymn 201. Here we go. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her King. Let every heart prepare him room, and saints and angels sing, and saints and angels sing, and saints and saints and angels sing. Rejoice, rejoice when Jesus reigns, and saints their songs employ. While fields and floods, rocks, hills, and plains repeat the sounding joy, repeat the sounding joy, repeat the sounding joy, repeat the sounding joy. No more will sin and sorrow grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He'll come and make the blessings flow. For as the curse was found, for as, for as the curse was found, rejoice, rejoice in the Most High, while Israel spreads abroad. Like stars that glitter in the sky, and ever worship God, and ever worship God, and ever worship God. Well, friends, thank you for joining us today as we discussed the hymn, Joy to the World. As always, it's a joy to be with you and to discuss the hymns. 
If you'd like to connect with us, please email us at knowinghim at gmail.com or leave us a voice message at anchor.fm slash knowinghim. We'd love to hear what you think about the podcast and about the hymns. In the meantime, I hope you'll join us next week as we sing our way to knowing him. Thank you.